When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel L. Conan, Dennis Dick with you this morning. Uh, just talking more the same about yesterday. It's the same theme we've been discussing, which is this dichotomy. Uh, the stocks that are, that are loved get more love. The stocks that are not loved get more hate. Uh, Aurora Cannabis up big this morning on news they are entering the U.S. market. We have earnings as well from Macy's, Best Buy, uh, Take-Two. That was a big one after the close yesterday. L Brands and two guests on the docket today. First up at 8 to 35, we'll be joined by Scott Shalady, a.k.a. the Cow Guy. And then at 9, we'll be joined by Dimitri Pargamonic. He is the co-founder of um, Market Chameleon. They are an options research platform. So two guests, 8.35 and 9 o'clock. Let's bring Joel L. Conan in now. Joel, give us a quick update on this overnight session. I'm glad you had to pronounce that name and not me. Uh, good morning, pre-market prep fans. Uh, got a little red here in front of my screen. We're down 17.50 at 29.51 and a quarter. Uh, opened up right near the high close of the move. I mean, you can call the double top for now. Wednesday's high, 76 and a quarter. Thursday's high, 75.75. I uh, had a nice little salt sell-off, uh, 29.50 is your pre-market low, and just, just traded 10 handles off that. So for once, uh, a little red here to start your trading day. Uh, crude busted through 33 yesterday. We were talking about that level. Up 52 cents at 34.02, just off that high of 34.48. Gold, call it a trading range, folks, 1700 to 1760 area. That's down 14 bucks at 1738. Silver back under 18 by 28 cents at 17.75. Bitcoin futures can't clear 10,000 down 180 bucks at 9,390. Triple D, you want to talk about it's really not good for stocks to make money, right? Oh, yeah. This is the market, and this is such an interesting market. I don't think we're ever going to see a market like this again that we have right now. You have two separate markets here. One market is like 1999, where you've got Shopify's and Zooms and companies, you know, buying growth at all costs, valuations thrown out the window. 
And then you have this other market that's trading like it's 2008 and we're in a financial crisis and some companies are going out of business. So it's such an interesting market to see one aspect where you've got companies, you know, just flying high valuations thrown out the window. And then the other market, you know, valuations all of a sudden matter. And, you know, we have bankruptcy concerns and you have stocks making new lows. It's such a, you know, it's just such a divergence between, you know, the value and the growth stocks. And it continues. And what we keep seeing, you know, is this market is confused. You know, obviously the traders are confused. We whipsaw around. The fade trade has been the play. I mean, take take two earnings last night. Full disclosure, I'm long take two, TTWO. Um, makes a new all-time high, has the run-up into the earnings. Blows the numbers away. The stock goes, give us the numbers, Spencer. Take two. They blew it away. Yep. Uh, Q4 GAAP EPS of $1.07 versus an $0.89 cent estimate. GAAP sales of $760 million versus $539 million in the same quarter last year. Uh, net bookings, let's see. Oh, actually, they gave some guidance, too. Uh, they gave some guidance for the quarter and for the year. Net bookings, which is basically a, a metric that the video game industry uses. Net bookings uh, for the year, they guided at just about $3 billion dollars. And their uh, gap EPS and sales guidance for the for the for this current quarter was also good. They actually gave guidance really far. They gave guidance for next year too, which is which you don't see too much of. They gave a lot of guidance yesterday. Uh, net bookings were up, sales were up. It, it, they basically said all you could say. It it's such, and it's so interesting, you know, to see the stock rally. And it got up to look at this after hours chart. It got up to one hundred and fifty nine dollars and change after hours, almost one hundred and sixty bucks. And this is what we've been trying to tell you. If you're buying these rips on the companies with good earnings, you are getting punished. It's been the same story again and again and again. Walmart, you know, was strong into the quarter. It was, um, you know, ran up a little bit into the quarter, ran up ahead of the numbers that night. Reports good numbers. Stock opens up. What's it do? By the end of the day, closes red. Lows, good numbers, strong quarter. Looking up pre-market, looking up and kissing up near the highs. What's it do? sells off it just run up too far all the good news priced in take two same story you know you can look and you know people are saying well the one game got delayed they try to find a fundamental reason for it but bottom line it ran up significantly into the report everybody gets excited after hours on the blowout numbers whatever algo's buying is buying it up on the good numbers and that proves to be wrong again and then it starts to leak and within an hour it goes red so it's the same story. It's like Groundhog Day around here. And the opposite story is happening with the weak stocks and the earnings. It seems like, you know, when they sell off the, the, the stocks at disappoint, they end up buying them back. So again, what I'm telling you is you get these, you know, significant moves on these earnings. They seem to be more often than not fades. Yes, in some cases you get some follow through and maybe it's selective perception on my part, but I feel like this entire earnings season, the fade trade has made money. Uh, Target yesterday, same thing, right? Opened up, sold off, right? For the entire session. Yeah, yeah. same thing. It was the numbers were fine at Target. I mean, you know, yes, we talked about the revenues being light, but it was up. It's the same thing. It's like this market, you know, and I joked last night, I'm like, this market doesn't like companies that make profits. Well, it does, but it's also just a market that doesn't like extreme moves. Um, unless they're in these growth names, you know, like the Shopify's and stuff, which is a completely different animal. So it's a very interesting market. And, you know, what you're talking, you know, doesn't apply to each stock. You have to take each case separately because it doesn't matter what Shopify does. 
right now. It doesn't matter, you know, if the market goes up, the stock goes up, or the market goes down, the stock goes up. It's got the opposite of the Wells Fargo problem, where the Mar Wells Fargo was just going down every day, no matter what the market was doing. Shopify just goes up every day. Valuations don't matter. It's got 1,000 on the mind. Traders think it's going to 1,000. I think it's going to 1,000. Does it make sense to be priced at 1,000? Hell no. But that's the market we're in. The storied stocks carry. And, you know, and take two had a story too. And it was moving up with the gaming. But again, this isn't like a super growth company, like a Shopify or a Zoom. So it, it, it's priced differently. So unbelievable right. reversal uh, let's on that talk, stock though. This is a really interesting chart here. And, um, and I saw it like right away. And I could have just turned on my trade station. And I looked and I'm like, holy mackerel, look at this consolidation. The bots got a hold of this thing, right? You, you had that spike up, and then you came down. You made a low at 138.11, and then someone just said, no more selling in this stock at all. And they just made a stand <laughs> here. They did. Come on, Dennis. Look at that 15 minutes. Well, that there's people that want to own this stock, Joel. I mean, this company's firing on all cylinders here right now. It's probably one of the best environments for Take-Two it's ever been. You know, that's why I'm long it. So you right. see a pullback. There's money managers saying, I need to deploy capital. Here's a great company that's firing on all cylinders, and it's giving me a seven-point pullback on a great report. Yeah. So I'm not I, surprised that they I mean, I looked at there. that, and um, I, I tried to find a daily low that coincided with the pre-market low. And what's very interesting here is you didn't even get to your two-day low, 136.34. Uh, so someone stepped up there, and they stepped up in a big way. They weren't lifting offers. They were just, I don't know, did you, I don't know how closely you were looking at it. Was there like an iceberg or something out there? Oh, it was trading crazy volume, Joel. Yeah, this I mean, I'm talking for the last, action. like, even since uh, after hours, and then, what's about, yeah, I did Crazy volume. volume. The thing was trading like AMD during the day, trading crazy volume. Very active. So I'm and sure also, there was multiple. Also, weirdly enough, is they halted the stock, which you don't normally see. But they Take halted. Two always does. Take Two always does? Yeah, they do. Oh, uh, some okay. companies just do it that way. Um, Apple used to do it always, but then um, years ago. I don't know if they ever do it anymore, but Take Two always does. I noticed that with Take Two. They like to do that. Some companies, it's up to them. They want, they don't want, you know, they want the, comp the, the time to digest the numbers. Don't want the whipsaw action. Well, they get the whipsaw action anyways. The thing, they had time to digest. They're like, this is a blowout number. And they bought the hell out of it. And they bought the hell out of it in the first candle. And then it just started leaking and leaking and leaking. And people are booking profits and booking profits. And then they're booking losses. <laughs> so I, I'm sticking with it. Sure. I think it's firing on all cylinders. I think it's a good company. It's in my long-term portfolio. I've had it in there for years. I've had Take-Two for a long time. All right. Well, I mean, not years, but 20, 20, uh, probably close to a year. Take-Two. I, I own all these gaming stocks simply all right. because – Let's, let's just do the real quick technical and move on on this one because uh, got some other stocks to cover. Coming up, trying to fill the gap here, folks. 143.83, that's your first target on the upside. See if we can get there. Then the close is 146.84. And after that kind of drop, I'm sure people would like to see 149.28. That was your old time high, your old time closing high from yesterday, 146.84. Um, just a quick look at uh, Activision. They already had their earnings, correct? Triple D. Yeah, they all have. ATVI this did. Is, EA did. Activision, so you're going to see muted activity when the ones that have already reported. Activision better get out of here. Better get out of this area right now, because I don't want. I know it's a long consolidation gap, gap and kind of a stall right here. A little bit. And, 
Yeah, 67. I mean, you're still a ways from that. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't run for the hills right here. But you better hold 67. That was the low on earnings day. Man, right near, not, not even really a gap right there because that was real close, 66, 89, 67. So I really like the 67 number on the upside. And someone's trying to work out of a piece, at least over the last two days, at 74 and a half. So keep it right there, 444 and then 454. And then what's the other big gun in this one, EA? EA, the three big ones, yep. Yep, right I back there, all-time all high, pulling back a little bit. But no, no, that's not an all-time high. The all-time high was uh, – that's holding in there pretty good. Uh, use yesterday's high, 121.76 is uh, resistance. Jump over to – and um, we have had a lot of stocks report here this morning. Let's go to Best Buy because this stock reported okay numbers, but it's getting hit. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, basically not as bad as the analysts expected. That's that, that's the takeaway. The numbers weren't great, but the expectations were worse. So earnings per share is 67 cents on an adjusted basis uh, versus a 61, uh, I'm sorry, versus a 60. 60 cent estimate, right, thank you. Revenue, $8.56 billion. Uh, same store sales down 5.3%. Same store sales were estimated to fall uh, 10%. Uh, so I, I guess, you know, better than expected, like I said, uh, and the revenue, same story, net income fell, but it was expected to fall more. So just not as bad as, as the analysts thought it would be. It's been a huge comeback for Best Buy. I mean, again, same story companies just, you know, people are booking profits here on the decent reports, 50 bucks. This thing was $48 back in the middle of March. Here we are two months later and the stock is up almost a hundred percent when it got up to 90, you know, $87 and 69 cents up 80, 85%. So it's pulling back here this morning. I think you have support down the mid seventies. So if this was to get significantly ugly, I think you do have support. You might even see it coming before then. Um, you know, we broke out from 80, you'd say, oh, 80 is maybe a reference point here. If we can get back above 80, it starts to get interesting again. I'd go along with that. This thing get back up over 80, it starts to get interesting again. Um, just, you know, from a fundamental standpoint, though, it's tough. I mean, the stores were closed for a long time. We know the next quarter is going to be a disaster. Um, yeah, they're going to come back, but we're in a recession. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't have as much money. Are they buying, you know, consumer, pro are they buying computer products? Are they, what are they buying? You know, are they buying electronics? I, I don't know. I think there's less people probably buying electronics and people like this shopping online. They like, Hey, this is pretty easy for me to buy Amazon. None of that is good for Best Buy in the long run, but we've been talking about, you know, Amazon eating Best Buy's lunch and they figured out a way around it. So the only problem is people are staying home more now. So I, I, I tend to not like this stock. Uh, better hold on 7850 here. Uh, this is kind of a sleepy chart. You came down hard off the number, 78.50 held up for a couple brackets here, but below 70, I this kind of feels like it has some more work to do on the downside. Uh, I'd use 78.50 as that area of support. Four-day low may come into play in this one, 75.85. But as long as you hold that, that 70, 78.50, it looks okay. It's trying to get away from there, but like not bolting out of there like to take two. Uh, your four-day close, 7861. Uh, if you bolt and you get rally in this one, you want to look for a gap fill. Get your offers out there about 8070, 8075. That represents the low from yesterday. 
Let's talk the Chinese stocks because we had a headline yes. break during the day yesterday and it got ugly for all the Chinese stocks. Give us the headlines from yesterday. There's more talk on this this morning. Somebody was just on CNBC talking about it as well. What's up? Or actually, there's a headline from like 10 minutes ago. So the headline from 10 minutes ago yeah. is that Baidu is considering leaving the NASDAQ, delisting from the NASDAQ in order to boost On their the own. On their own. Uh, and the reason they would do that is because of the headline yesterday, which is the Senate passed a, a new bill uh, basically, basically targeting China, uh, meant for all foreign companies, but targeting China specifically. And it said that uh, in order for a company to list on a U.S. exchange, they have to prove that they're not being run by the state government. And also they must, uh, the U.S. must be able to audit three consecutive years, uh, three continuous years uh, of, of financial statements. And if they can't comply with either of those re uh, regulations, then, then they're going to get kicked off the exchange. They don't want another luck no. and coffee. Right, exactly. We, so We don't want another luck and coffee. Um, Alibaba, people are asking me multiple times about Alibaba. I'm still long it. It's one of the only Chinese companies that I own. I do own a couple ETFs that have some emerging markets, but direct ownership, it's one of the only ones I own. I think it's best in breed over there. That being said, it's a scary headline. I'm not surprised it's down here again this morning, down $3.63. Josh Brown was making a good point on CNBC last night, and uh, he was saying that he believes Alibaba and a lot of the big ones are already audited over here. So maybe they're already complying with some of this stuff. I don't know that stuff. I haven't looked into it. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I would think there's going to be a, I don't think there's a scenario where we're going to see Alibaba get delisted. But, you know, you never know. And if Look at some of these smaller names, uh, these smaller stocks. Yeah, like, like and why, those, like, there's more concern there for sure. Yeah, like this YY yeah. is getting the beats. Yep. H-U-Y-A, also down this morning. I think it had earnings, didn't it? Uh, YY had earnings, I believe. Both of them did. HUYA oh, and okay. Y. I think HUY did too. Okay. I feel like um, it did. I may be wrong. Uh, IQ. Basically, what, what was it? China, it was, China stocks getting rocked a little bit. Here yeah. Yeah. It was all those high stocks from like the summer of 2017. It's uh, interesting timing on this too. I mean, go. don't they have better things to do right there now than, you know, we're worried about a luck and coffee, but. Let's be worried about a lot. There's bigger worries out here right now than, you know, worrying about, you know, delisting every Chinese stock just because they might potentially be another luck and coffee. So I, I, I'm not a fan of this move, not the timing of it anyways. I don't want to see another luck and coffee either, but I also don't believe that every Chinese company is crooked. So, which is kind of what they're implying to a certain extent. So they want to make noise. sure they're not crooked. Noise, just noise. I, I think the dips get bought in some of these, like an Alibaba, if it gets ugly and gets down like 200 bucks. If they're talking about delisting, like Baidu's going to do it on their own, I wouldn't want to own that because I don't want to have to go bother trying to you know, trade my stock over in China or trying to get out of it over there. It's a, I feel like they would just go OTC. You could just buy them OTC. Well, you go OTC too, but it becomes a pain yeah. in the butt. I mean, let's talk OTC for a second here. I had some equity in this stock, and I don't even remember what it was. It's like a legacy position from years and years ago in my long-term portfolio. And for whatever reason, the company restructured and I got a bond out of it. And I was trying to sell this bond on this small cap company. And it's like, I can't believe how inefficient the bond market is. I call my broker. They can't find a quote. It takes them two days, two days to go and find, you know, where there's a buyer for this. And you know, you're getting ripped right off when they got to go hunt down, you know, where there's a buyer. I mean, this is how inefficient the bond market is. So when you start going OTC, even on stocks, it can get a mess. It can be a mess too. I mean, not maybe on something like Baidu if it goes OTC because there'll still be some volume, but 
it, it's when you start going off exchange, it becomes very interesting to try to get out of stocks. And that's always a concern. When you get a delisting, I never like to own a stock that's delisted because I've been through the process before. And it's not that fun to have your broker hunt it down. And it's all, it's all like not, not transparent. So you don't even know. Like the guy, okay, so I ended up getting out of this bond at 88 bucks or whatever. And I don't know where the price is. I mean, I know Alaska because the thing trades like by appointment only. So maybe the thing's worth like 93 and they're taking me for five points. There's no way to know any of that. The transparency in the bond market, it's unbelievable the equities have come this far and there's no transparency in the bond market. And I know there's companies out there that have been working on this issue, but you know, that's just my, our, you know, my little rant here against OTC and the bond market in itself. I know Baidu isn't a bond, but it just made me think of it. So here we are, Baidu's down a couple bucks here. They're talking about delisting. I don't know what to say. I think you got I, support yeah, below I, at a hundred bucks. You know, that's where it This thing's from. a bit of dog. It's been a It's dog. been a real dog. Yeah, so I mean this bad day yesterday, filed through the day. I mean they popped to one twenty, probably made a lot of people happy. What uh, two day high, one twenty, eighty five, so I don't know. It's it's a dog. I you know if you want to try and buy it on a pullback, not here, best of breed. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with Kramer. He's always had Baba as best of breed over there out of yep. all the Chinese stocks. I'm the same way. I mean Alibaba just is, it's trying to make a new all time high. I mean look where we are. You know you're not that far away from it. The all time highs at 231. We got up to 220 before this headline hit it yesterday. I think I think if I'm buying if I'm buying any Chinese stock on the dip, it would be Alibaba, but I already own it. So I'm probably not going to buy more, but I, you know, it is, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. When you're buying these small Chinese companies, we know it's not transparent. We know there's some shenanigans that could potentially happen. So do I get what they're doing about? Yeah. The timing though could just be better. So lots of small Chinese companies that just aren't transparent. And whenever you're buying some of these smaller Chinese companies that have different accounting principles, you risk another luck and coffee for sure. Is it, are they all luck and coffees? No. Some of these are very legitimate companies, but it's tough. I mean, we thought Luckin Coffee was a legitimate company too two months ago before you know all this stuff happened. That popped to three forty nine yesterday. Oh, people yeah. jumping in. Oh yeah, we're it's going to come back. No, they're, 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 it's going to delist probably here. So I don't think it's coming back. I, okay. I know people are buying this at two bucks, thinking eventually it's going to be back to twenty or thirty dollars. I think you're wrong. Uh, what about any more earnings there? Suspense. A lot more. A lot more. Let's go to Expedia. Can we go okay. to Expedia first? Because this is the sure. opposite story. Sure, the sure. opposite story of take two. All right. The numbers here from Expedia, uh, Q1 EPS, a loss of a buck 83 per share versus a loss. The estimate was that they would lose a dollar four cents. So they lost way more than the, than the estimate on that number. Sales 2.2 <laughs> billion uh, versus a $2.3 billion estimate. So they missed that number as well. And look at the stock. Wouldn't you know it? Of course, it's trading higher on a disaster report. It was trading down. And again, the CNBC influence is just unbelievable. Josh Brown, again, they had him on there, and he talked it up. And he, he said, I don't have a position in it, but I want to have a position. It was kind of the same story. He did that on stock a, yeah. a couple weeks ago, and he turned the stock right around. It was trading down a little bit on the report, and he started talking bullish. And within 10 seconds, the algos are just like all over CNBC. Josh Brown commentary. algo. Yeah, Josh Brown, you're listening. Man, they got an algos following you there because he started talking and he wasn't saying anything wrong. He was just talking and he liked the stock. It turned around on a dime and started printing from, it was at 79 or it might have even been 78 and change. It, it, was, in, in, it was down a buck. 
And it started going within a second. It was up over 80, 81, 82, and they're ripping this thing higher. And it's not coincidence, you know, because there is just people that are trading off of CNBC. But I think there's algos trading off of CNBC too, because that move was wicked fast. I mean, maybe there's some really fast people out there that are quicker on the keyboard than me. Yes, you know, I got sore eyes. I'm 44 or 43 years old here now. And Joel's 80, so he's a little bit slow too. But, you know, there is some young bucks that are fast on the computer. So maybe they're, maybe it's all human, but it felt it's algo. It's not human. It felt algo right it's off of Josh. Human. That's an impressive algorithm to be able to listen to commentary on CNBC and, and decide whether it's bullish or, bullish or bearish or not and then make, make, a, a, make a trade on that. I mean, whoever's writing that algo, that is an efficient algo to be able, it's one thing to read, you know, computer generated reading, you know, the, a headline. It's yeah. another thing to listen to commentary and then and make the trade on it. But it popped and it popped significantly. And, you know, people say I'm nuts or, you know, some people won't believe that, you know, Josh Brown moved the stock up that much. He did. And, you know, I don't even think Josh probably knows how much he, you know, moves stocks, but. Yeah, there is people you know what? It might not be a, as hard of algorithm um, to program as you think, because a majority of these guys talk bullish, right? I mean, not too often. Unless you're Dan Nathan. Unless you're Dan Nathan, right? Oh, Spinner's going <laughs> to Dan run Nathan that. is consistently bearish. <laughs> okay. You well, always know when they ask that. Dan Nathan's opinion, you can predict it. He's going to hate it. <laughs> me and Spinner were talking last night on uh, Twitter, and I was like, has Dan Nathan ever been bullish on anything? And he said Microsoft. So I guess <laughs> Dan Nathan's like the eternal bear up there. You know, you got to give him props. He's consistent, but he is bearish, man. <laughs> I, I think I think Spinner may be an algorithm, too, because he, he knows every – he follows everybody and he's knows everything. Too. He's part algo. That's he's part again. algo, or else he's running a really good one. We're talking in the pre-market top and Zynga chat. Spinner has been one of our long-term uh, – long-term uh, participants in there and uh he often gives some great commentary but he's all over he knows all over every story too. i know so he's everything part of algo top 83 64 uh that was um your high on march 11th and where did we get to we got to 83 oh no that was part but of is it not ridiculous let's just stop for a second ignore the technicals and then we can finish with the <laughs> is it not absolutely ridiculous that a company reports that crappy of numbers, gross bookings down 39% year over year, miss, you know, miss massively on the bottom line. And we know that quarter was supposed to be the okay one. It had, you know, it, it had, we're talking two and a half months of okay normal activity. It was the last two weeks that were going to be garbage of it. So, you know, the yeah. next quarter coming in is going to be bad. So, and I, nobody wants to give any guidance on that. We, we know it's going to be a disaster, but you look and you say, hey, you know, Uber sales were down 90%, but they buy the hell out of that stock. So this stock's on sales only down 37% or whatever for the quarter. It's like, sounds pretty good. So I guess, you know, that's what it is. It's just they're pricing in so much. They priced in a lot of bad news. But I look at where Expedia is now. I look at where it was, and I think it's not discounted enough. But I've been wrong for a while. Like, I thought Uber and Lyft would get sold. They haven't. They still like these growth companies, so-called growth companies that aren't growing anymore. But they, you know, they've got the Momo name to them, and they were growing before this COVID hit. And investors are speculating that we're going to get past the virus, and they're going to grow again. And maybe they're right. But I cannot bring myself to invest in any of these companies. Who was the guy that we had down, on sales that, are track, down 90%. that tracked the audio on conference calls? Uh, that was Evan Schnittman. 
from Pratt. Oh yeah, I should have known that. Yeah, Schnidman. You call him Schneidman. I call him Schnidman. I'm sure one of those is correct. Yes. Oh yeah. But I think like you say potato, I say potato. Okay, let's keep an eye on you hit eighty three sixty seven uh after hours. It's probably right when Josh was talking, right, Dennis? Yeah, yeah. It, I was watching the stock I had on my screen because it had just reported and then they're bring live commentary in like a minute after it reports. There you go. And it traded down in the headline number and then Josh started talking bullish. And I tell you, the second he starts talking bullish. Actually, it's a couple seconds before he starts talking bullish because obviously people have a faster CNBC feed than I do. He started seeing it rip. <laughs> so impressive keep an eye on that i'd like you know i'd hit that during um the jb ran 83.67 and that's also a daily high uh 83.64 on march 11th uh we had them on a while ago but i don't think i don't think cnbc lets them come on anymore we've had josh on a few times but yeah Yeah, they get these exclusives on us and then we can't get them back on so they they battle us when we were when we were smaller potato they didn't care as much now that (laughs) Now that we broke a thousand concurrent listeners, now they care all of a sudden. I mean, they only have like seven thousand. <laughs> I don't know what the concurrent listeners on on CNBC, but it's not as high as you think. I'll tell you that much. And I have a More conspiracy theory. I have a conspiracy theory. The people that give us dislikes every day, I think that they're the producers of the show that gives us the dislikes. <laughs> the producers of our show, Spencer Israel. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's me, guys. It's Spencer, me. stop disliking our show. <laughs> me. Just because I talk over you doesn't mean you have to dislike the show. Can we move on to BJ's here? Maybe uh, it's Joel. I talk over Joel all the time. Dennis, you're real dislike poor life. A lot of people Dennis. like you, and then a lot of people don't like you. Oh, yeah. No, everybody's got an opinion Twitter on me feed. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> There's a love-hate out there for me. That's okay. Yeah, it depends. Sometimes hey, they throw the Canadian Joel's, stuff Joel has a love-hate for me, too. <laughs> move on. Earnings. All right, I, I want to do BJ's here. The, this one's interesting. So the numbers from BJ's yesterday, uh, I'm sorry, uh, this morning. This morning. Um, Q1 adjusted EPS, 69 cents versus a 34-cent estimate. Sales of 3.79 versus $3.3 billion. So very nice uh, sales and, more importantly, an earnings beat for BJ's. Haven't seen too many earnings beats this earnings season. Uh, and that's it. that's what I got for you. It's good numbers. Guys. Stock trading up on it. What did it do on the report on the print here, Joel? I haven't seen. I haven't been looking at this one at all. I, it went down charge. a little bit. It went down it on went, those numbers originally. Uh, not well. How selling it on those numbers? Uh, no, maybe not. I'm looking. It had a big old bar and right on the the print, and it really twenty nine bucks. So it really didn't go that far. Um, this one was, it was just a breakout guys getting involved and they were looking yeah. at 2950, right? 2953 yesterday's high 2940, the two day high, boom, we're lifting. We're getting this thing over 2950. We're going 30 bid, 30 and a quarter bid, putting stock out at a half, you yeah. know, pretty much. No, not even a half, probably half, three quarters, put a bigger chunk out at 31 and then it turned at 3117. So Missed the breakout on that one, pre-market high, 31.17. And I don't know why this thing got – oh, this was a market day. Oh, look at the high on March 19th. Yeah, that's going to be your challenge right yeah. there. It's yep. going to go up. It could kiss that. That's where your, that's where your major resistance point is going to be. And remember, what we've been talking about is they've actually sold some companies on good earnings here. So caution to the buyer. I don't want to buy anything up 6 7%, especially when it's going into that candle. Could it break out? Yeah, I may not, I, I may not short it. I hate shorting stocks. When they're when they're breaking out too, but 
I don't want to chase anything. And you're chasing it here if you're buying it up a buck and a half or two bucks this morning. So it is a good report. It deserves to be up, but we've seen in this case lots of companies that deserve to be higher and then they go down. So I'd be careful. You probably got a few people that got it really excited. You know what that candle is, Joel. That's the Costco candle. That's the hoarding candle. You could call that, you know, that was when everybody's got to go to the grocery store and buy everything, you know, ahead of time here because we're never going to get out of our house again. That's a pre-lockdown candle. Or, you know, right around that time when they were buying the hell out of, you know, General Mills and Campbell's Soup and everything that they could possibly buy. That's what that BJ is. So that was the run up there at the same time. You know, it's Walmarts and Costco's and all of them topped out. Kroger, same story, I believe. Yeah, if you look at Kroger, same exact exact time. So you get back up near those points. There's people who are yeah, caught, caught and those yep. become resistance. Uh, yeah. We just got we just got jobless claims uh, for last week. Two point four three eight million new claims, which is just above where the estimate was at. Two point four million. So steady, consistent week over week decline, but still at absurdly high levels as far as jobless claims are concerned. Not all that exciting. Yeah, so. market did really did. Move I didn't out. even notice. I didn't notice the movement uh, no, at all. I, I didn't even have a chance. Like, Dennis, Dennis, go wide, but you know. Where's that VIX? coming in 28 still 28 doesn't feel like 28 feels like 20 doesn't it uh, lower. how's virtue financial doing our vix play coming down the mountain i get my virtue financial back here i sold it too soon on the way up i think i sold it like 22 and 23 and a half it's below where i sold it i think now at least some of it i sold up there i want to get this thing back at 20 virtue financial come to papa 20 bucks 20 bucks all right keep an eye on that well we're leaking a little bit here down 16 handles, 285250. Um, had the uh, uh, ultra or the closing high for the rebound yesterday, uh, 2968. I don't know. I think we're gonna have a. I don't know. Can we slow down? Can we have a little holiday trading maybe today, tomorrow, Dennis? You know, Memorial Day on Monday. I don't know. Yeah. Memorial Day rally. Who knows? I, I think we could. I mean, we feel like we're slowing we're down. Rally. Yeah, we are slowing say, down. Why do I have to call it a Memorial Day rally? I mean, we rally every day. I, I, this market has no memory. You know, one day they love it, the market. The next day they don't like it. We saw it. Whipsaw. We're at the top of the trading range, though, so they've liked it for the last few days. I do think – I said it before. I think we're going to break above 3,000 here. I don't think so. I think we got to do it just to stick our head above it, just to sucker in more people long and to, you know, squeeze out the shorts. We got more of a squeeze coming Lunch bet? Yeah, I'll do a lunch Oh my bet. God, when was our last lunch well, bet? Because we've been no, on the we're same down side, fifteen. I'm giving up the edge. I'm not going to do it. I'm oh not, my! What are you talking about? Not giving up the edge. No. Why? But How are you giving up the edge? Because I'm giving up fifteen. I no, I'm not doing it. it I've lost too many you, lunches. I, how do you know to you? you're giving up the edge? I didn't even propose anything to you. Okay, yet. what do you propose? No. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> we're fifty points away. Four forty-three points away from so i would say i don't know i'll give you two i'll just take five points off of this price so four four dollars well that's tough too because we could get down to 291.95 i gotta go wider than that maybe right, there's well, a bet while you figure out what you're gonna wait, offer wait, if it trades 28.65 today then i'll go 15 points each way or 50 points each way if we if we trade 28.65 Ponder All that right, one. So bad to be determined. Yeah. Okay, fine. While you determine that, I'm going to bring on our guest here, Scott Shalady, a.k.a. the cow guy, joining us now on Pre-Market Prep. Scott, good morning. Good morning. How are you? There he is. <laughs> the sharp-dressed man. Hang in there. 
You, you, it's, it's my pajamas. I still haven't changed. Yeah, he hasn't changed. He wakes up like that, you, just ready you to rock. You should see the footies. You should see the footies. <laughs> that is, he is the best dress. He's the best dressed man I've seen anywhere. That is an awesome outfit. What's going on? Uh, lots. I mean, uh, you guys have got a great show. Uh, you cover a lot of stuff, but I mean, who would have thought we'd be in this situation even three months ago? It's been uh, pretty mind-boggling. What do you make of this market? I mean, I can't, you know, you've got two separate markets happening here. You have like some stocks trading like it's 1999. You got Shopify and Zooms, valuations, throw those out the window. We just want growth at any cost. And then you have other stocks like it's 2008. We have some companies teetering on bankruptcy. So it's like the best of 2008 and the best of 1999. What are your thoughts on this market? So <laughs> You're tricky. right. I think we need more time because another thing I'm still perplexed is, is all these uh, decent real estate numbers that are coming through for the month of April too. So I'm just still not quite sure that a lot of that damage, you know, this, isn't a, this is not a gash. This is a stab wound and nobody knows how deep it is. And so I think that, the market, and I coined the phrase back in the day, is, is trading on hopium. I really do. I mean, it's so nice to get outside. I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona, going to the restaurants. That's just such a buoyant feeling. But, you know, we don't have the economic figures really to come in and support that yet. So either the market's going to have to come down to where, where a lot of these valuations are, these 2008 levels, or we're going to have to see things get better faster and have them kind of come up to where the market is. I just, look. 25% of restaurants are not coming back. One third of small businesses are not coming back. We haven't begun to see the bankruptcies really come through. Rolls Royce let another 9,000 people go yesterday. I mean, the drip, drip, drip of negative news is going to continue. And I, I, I'm sorry to say I'm a very big optimist, but I just can't see a slow rolling recovery being a V-shaped recovery. A slow rolling recovery is, I mean, a slow rolling open is gonna be a slow rolling recovery. And so that's what I think we're in for. And you know what? Hey, uh, I've got a British passport. I spent 16 of the last 32 years in England yesterday, or I think the day before, one of the last two, uh, you saw Britain, you know, float their first negatively priced bond. Uh, that could be something coming this way too. So we've got a lot on our plate and I'm just going to try to stay a little bit calm and not get too excited too early because there still is a lot of negative negativity out there. So as we sort of head out of earnings season here, Scott, uh, and I guess there's not going to be as much in the way of fundamental data for, for a while here, how does that sort of factor into things? Well, I mean, it's like we're in a dark closet and we want people to turn the lights on and what they're doing is feeding us food and water under the door and we can't see where it is. I mean, yeah. that's how we are. We're, we're searching around for a lot of these folks or these companies aren't going to give us any guidance and they're not going to talk about what's going forward because they don't know. But I can't, you know, 40% of the job losses are for under people, you know, people under, under 40 grand a year. I mean, I have all the stats and it's just not good. And to get over those things, it's going to take time. And, you know, when you want to talk about an another stimulus, I said this the other day and people don't realize that. I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars. And if, if your listeners out there know what a trillion is, and we all think we do, if you have a million seconds, that equals 11 and a half days back to back, a million seconds back to back. A billion seconds is 31.75 years, almost 32 years back to back. A trillion seconds is almost 32,000 years back to back. So we've got a $3 trillion rescue package already. We're talking about another $3 trillion. I mean, that is, that, that, that's trouble on the horizon, if you ask me. And again, with what 
you know, Britain and the negatively priced debt, these valuations. I mean, I know there are some things that are, you know, if you were in the NASDAQ, you're, you're loving life right now. But I still say that we've got something. It's not that easy. You know, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing this job. <laughs> That's the bottom line. So it's, we've got some bruises to still. So, so what do you tell people to, as far as how do you approach this market that on the one hand is so disconnected and on the other, I don't know. Well, I like, I like to comment that, uh, you know, cash is an asset class. Okay. Uh, that, that can be something that people can park their money in for the short term. Uh, and I, I, you know, the, the ones, the leaders that have brought us back, I'm, I'm still skeptical. I think that the broad market is still going to be bruised and you, you have to be, maybe this is the one of those, you know, we've all talked about this. I've been doing this job for 32 years. Sometimes the trading guides give you one last chance to kind of get out, park your money and take, take a breather here. And I think this could be it. I'm not a massive, you know, I don't think that we're going to see, you know, Armageddon. I just know that these bruises don't heal as quickly as everybody would like them to. I know that we've got an election coming up, so there's going to be a lot playing into it that way politically. Uh, however, um, go down the list of people and the bankruptcies and, and all the jobs. I mean, how do you get over, how quickly can you get over 36 million people losing their jobs in eight weeks? I mean, that's, yeah. you don't just, you know, I, I don't, maybe I told you guys this the last time I was on, you know, when you were a kid and you shut the gym lights off going home at night, they went off immediately. You come in the next morning, Saturday morning for basketball practice and flip them on. It takes them five, 10 minutes to warm up and get going and light the gym up. That's, that's the economy. You just can't flip it off and then flip it back on again and expect the same action. So um, I, I, I would say if you've, if you've gotten back to close to where you were, this is a good time to take stock and, and kind of settle down and, and bring your chips in close to your chest. Um, and if not, I mean, depending on what your time horizon is and where you're looking to retire, um, you got to do some serious dancing here because it's still going to be very, very bumpy. No, no so, doubt. like, do you think we'll know more by, like, when, like, end of the next quarter? or September, like I think you'll know a lot. And that's why I – I mean – I sometimes want to hit myself in the face with a hammer because <laughs> I, I, I'm, I don't want to see the government give out another $3 trillion very quickly because does anybody have an idea what the first $3 trillion has done so far yet? I mean, we don't even know where the bad places to put the money is yet. I mean, we have to wait for some of this stuff to trickle through. And so I, I would like them to slow down. I know everybody wants to spend money as quickly as possible, but and small businesses really, really do need it. And I just, there's too many, there's, there's too much absurdity out there um, that's going to lend people to, to have a difficult time. I mean, just think about these draconian rules. You know, we're allowed, you're allowed, that's a whole other story. You're allowed to open your restaurant now and you're allowed to pay 100% of your overheads, but you're only allowed to have 25 to 50% of your revenues. I mean, who's nodding at that around the table? The same for retail. So, I mean, what, where is this great recovery going to come back in when you're not allowed to have 100% of your revenues? Yeah. And even if every governor said today, everything's fine, 33% of Americans have said they would not come out of their houses. They don't trust it. So you've lost 33% of your customers right there anyway. I'm one of those. So where is this, where is this great economic engine going to be? You know, how is it going to be driven? Where's the consumer confidence? Where's the consumer spending going to be? That's why I just say everything I look at, makes me nervous but at the same time i'm happy that i can go down the road tonight for a, a pint of lager dennis he said americans you don't count in that statistic. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, ron, ron with scotch lady he's uh, also known as the cow guy he's the head of us otc producers at marek solutions scott what about commodities here oil gold uh oil uh, junes went off the board yesterday uh and just 
steadily tri- trickling higher here, and gold is just is resilient. Yeah, I think the interesting one had lately was really silver, kind of trying to play catch up. You're right, gold is, you know, gold's the two things I was taught as a young trader: gold, buy gold when times in times of inflation, that's not happening, or times of Armageddon. As crazy as I feel like it is right now, it's not Armageddon, but there's a lot of money. You know, something's changed over the last 20 years. A lot of people around the world have technologically been able to connect to our markets. And a lot of times they have that ability to express their feelings in the U.S. in some limited capacity. And one of the products that they do that in is gold. Another one as of late has been Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin sometimes acts really crazy to me. But a lot of times that's just a global um, group of traders that are expressing a view of the U.S. and the few things that they can trade. So I think gold's getting a little bit of a bump from that. It's a place to maybe park because people are worried about what might be happening as of late. Oil, the, the two things that I really watch are oil, is that's a huge one, and the 10-year yield. And you know, the 10-year yield's just not doing anything for me to make me feel like this is going to be great. And again, I think it was very significant about the negatively priced bonds out of, your, uh, out of uh, London uh, yesterday. That's just another thing that just gives me another pause for you know, concern. You, you've got an oil market. I mean, look, we're all happy about oil at $33 a barrel. Look at ourselves in the mirror. You know, I mean, what, how are we happy about that? That's a disaster for our drillers and our, all the people in, in the oil industry here in the States. And at the same time, we, can, we have a 10-year yield below you know, three quarters of a percent. So those things need to really start taking off for me to start to think, okay, here we go. We're on something good here because, I, you know, What's going to happen if, with the next downturn or more and more bad news? The bad news is weighing heavy. So I would say keep an eye on oil and keep an eye on the 10-year. Those are going to be the leaders, I think, that are going to make you feel like you can dip your toe back in the water when you want to start buying back you know, these asset classes and equities. All right, Scott Shalady, as I mentioned, he's the head of U.S. OTC producers at Merrick Solutions, also known as the Cow Guy. Scott, thanks for the time again today, and uh, stay safe out there. All righty, guys. Have a good weekend. Thank right. you. Climbing right. back to all the worry here. Uh, can't get, can't keep the market down. Down five handles only. Debt uh, us. You getting a little rally here? Just buy um, the dip. Why? Why not? That's what do we do? We just buy the dip. Buy the dip. Buy the dip. Buy the dip. Are you, are you are you going to sell the rip in Aurora Cannabis this morning, Dennis? Yeah, let's, let's talk, talk about, let's talk about that. that. Uh, this this was news from after the close yesterday. Aurora. Uh, announcing that they have acquired this company, Reliva, for $40 million. And by way of that, they are entering the U.S. cannabis market. They got to do something. I mean, they're trying to you know, do something here. They know the business is struggling, and they're trying to find other ways to generate revenue. They know it's been tough in Canada, too much competition in Canada, and it's obviously you know, it been not, not a good run for them. So, you know, it's a smart move trying to get in and get into some other markets. Is it going to save the company? I don't think so. So um, I'd be a seller of the rally. Um, Where did they get bought... the money to do this? Well, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question, too. Uh, we're, <laughs> I'm sure they're going to do some type of raise or they've got you know, maybe an investor to do it. But, or maybe they're using stock. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the details of that. Okay. I'd say, you know, uh, you got major resistance up there, that double top, 1960, 1925. You're a long ways away from yeah, there. So you're away. shorting it here. It's kind of like, well, where's my out? You know, like, really? You know, you could still say it could come back in. It could go to 17, 18 bucks, 19 bucks. I mean, so it's a tough trade. But I think any pop is, I'm still going to say, is to be sold. You're getting a beautiful pop in it. I'd ring the register. Just me. 
17, well, first of all, uh, halfway back of this move from 1968 to 1211 puts you right at $16. So holding $16, I think it's a good indication that this may go up and test the high close of the rebound at 1710. So these are those are levels see nineteen a quarter nineteen sixty eight palms out at that level if it gets up there, uh, where are we at how high we've already backed off oh look at that I said seventeen ten I didn't even look at uh, the pre market high and they got real excited in this one they took it to seventeen eighty five so you're a buck sixty off that high I don't know. I think you find some sellers ahead. I don't. I don't think you see that seventeen. I don't think so either. Uh, I think it's a nice headline. Yes, they're expanding nice. into the markets. I just think you know. I I listen to Goran Johnson. He does his analysis. He knows his stuff, and he's said this is a zero. You know, that's why I love about Gordon. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He thinks it's a zero. He said that a long time ago. So if you're listening to Gordon, you would have sold a lot higher than this. I mean, when did Gordon Johnson come out with that zero price target on this thing? Let's give Gordon Johnson some props. Can we look yeah. back in the pro? Can we see that? Uh, yeah, give me when a second. When he downgraded to sell and said, that's it. Find it. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, it's going to be hard because uh, of the reverse split, right? Well, either way, we can still look at it in yeah, a chart. Yeah, you're right. So, you're right. so we can look at it. Yep. It's way higher. I have to track. Yeah, um, I have to track him down. After that, or I, when Spencer's I'm trying to find it too. Yeah, yeah we'll let uh, we'll let you guys. I mean, dig. He's been spot on on this. It's downgrade. I can't find it here either. Because he's an independent now too. Right? Exactly. That's what's that's what's making it tricky. <laughs> yeah, because he used to be. Where was he? Gordon Haskin before? Who was he with before he went independent? Um. Yeah. No, he was began with an A. I can easily say it was probably you know in 2019 that he did that. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was probably in the middle of 2019. Axiom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was uh, with Axiom. Yeah. Okay. So it was it was late last year, but when did he first make the call? I think he's hated he, that stock forever. I think he first made the call. I don't know. Sorry, I don't have it. Okay. Anyways, it's 2019, and I think it's in the middle of 2019 when the stock was 80 bucks. It's 16 dollars. So you know, even if it was at yeah, 40 dollars, yeah. we can safely say he's been right. So until he comes out and says, "Now they've turned it around, and I'm changing it from a zero to a price target of 50," um, that's you know when I'm going to get. So I, he knows more about this company than I do. He does his homework. I know Gordon Johnson does a lot of homework, and I know he knows the fundamental cases here. And if he says it's a zero, I don't want to touch it. Tough, tough question for you, Dennis. Here, can you explain why anyone would buy negative yielding bonds? No. <laughs> There's that scared that you know they're 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 that scared for the capital markets that they think their money's you know got to be safe over here. I mean, I guess it's a, a case for Bitcoin, right? If we start taking you know negative you know rates, maybe that's a case for you know storing gold, storing silver. Storing Bitcoin alternative. If we're going rates and you want to, you know, you're too scared to hold the market. So you're gonna, you're obviously just too scared to hold any other assets, and that's why you'd buy a negative rate bond. But they make no sense to me. Next, <laughs> the answer is no. I can't explain it. How about limited- I would never buy a negative rate bond myself. Never. Um, how about uh, limited brands? One of the dogs that uh, this is one at least. You still got this? Them. Yeah. Sure. Anyways, yeah. this is Lisa Pick, right? Yep. <laughs> We're throwing Lisa <laughs> under the bus here. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it stopped going down. 
I want to say something good. Ten bucks is huge support. Could you get a little squeeze and could you get some life in this thing? You could. Do I think it's turning the corner and going to go back to 25 or 30? No. So I could no. see it as a trade, but you're kind of in the middle of nowhere and better places for my money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, until we get uh, over $13, <clears throat> There's nothing nothing doing on the upside here. Your last three day highs, twelve ninety, thirteen eleven, twelve eighty seven. You closed at twelve twenty two, a couple closes, the twelfth handle. Uh not looking good. I I think we talked about this yesterday. Didn't get it down to ten bucks. Uh triple bottom there between ten oh three, ten and a quarter. Nothing nothing fancy to talk about. Does anybody know what's happening with Enphase? We were, we were searching around a little bit here this morning. It got hit pretty hard yesterday. Spinner probably ENP, knows. ENPH is getting hit here again. It was under 60 a little while ago in the pre-market. Trade down the 59 handle. It's bounced back here. Um, I don't see a headline on this. I do have a trading position. I got a pair on between SEDG and ENPH. Um, that's just a day trade pair. But um, I, I haven't seen a headline on this one. Is there something like, like it's got to be maybe in the map from the something to do with solar from a I don't know. is this a is this a solar is this a solar trend or was it just in phase this morning i don't are, know are, like are I, there I, other I, I don't see a lot of other solar stocks getting the beats here though yeah. so no, so yeah i just see end phase really getting picked on here and i'm just curious because it, it was breaking out yesterday the stock actually made a new all-time high and then it sold off hard, pretty hard from those highs, and it's continued. Maybe it's just scared profit taking from the highs yesterday, but it's so interesting. And you see a stock making an all time high, and then peel off 10 bucks. You know, you're talking about stock peeling off like 15% from the all time high it made two days ago. So interesting. ENPH, I haven't seen a headline. All right. Uh, SPs did climb into the 29.60 handle. We're only down eight and a quarter now. Uh, what did we get to on that little pop up here? We did get to 29.64. So we, oh, I'll still go with that, Dennis. If we get the 29.65, ah, he wants to make the bet. He he's like a he he can't help himself. He's, he's if I he's if it gets to listen, gotta make listen, a bet. If it gets to 29.65 at any time today, you get 30.15. And then I get um, 29. If then scenarios I'm not into. I'm into oh, straight up bets. I think okay. we're going to 3,000. That's and, all you want. Okay. Yeah, I think we're going to 3,000. I think we're kissing 3,000. I don't know where we go after that, but okay. I think we're going to stick our head above 3,000, sucker in a few more along, squeeze the hell out of the shorts a bit more. I don't know if we eventually – I think eventually – like I'm, I wouldn't be sitting with as much cash in my long-term portfolio if I was comfortable in investing, but – now, as a trading, okay. as a trade, I, no think trade. I think we're going over three thousand. No Why trade, not? nothing. No trade, no trade. no trade. Pulling my, pulling my hands down. Pulling my. Oh, I get out. a lift here this morning. BA is getting a lift. It did get some love from RBC. Um, I think they were saying most of the bad news they thought was in the stock. Although oh, really? I still think planes, you know, passengers not flying as much, and I think. Uh, I think overall demand. I mean, this is like a broken record. I mean, overall demand. I mean. For new planes, I mean, right? I mean, cons- I mean, there's going to be some consolidation in the industry. They're going to have extra planes. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, it, from a Speaking fundamental planes, standpoint, wait. it looks like trouble. But I'll tell you, the airline stocks are coming back. Yep. Delta's bouncing back. They're all up a little bit here again this morning. They're bouncing a bit. 
AAL looks like it's ready to break out over 10. That AAL chart looks interesting, Joel. Looks sleepy. Looks like it could get a little bit of a short yeah. here. Yep. So you know what? I could see Boeing getting a 150 again. I could see it doing it. And maybe today, get some love from an analyst there um, from RBC. I didn't read the note, but I just saw the headline fly by, and I thought it was to the nature of that they think all the bad news is priced in. I'm not sure about that, like I said. But you know what? It stopped going down. It's consolidated for a few days. Why not squeeze them a bit? I mean, we're buying everything. Why not buy Boeing too? So I could see Boeing go to 150. I don't mind it as a trade here. I'd stop myself out at the three-day low. One, oh, it's 125. Holy mackerel. You got to give yourself some room. But I mean, that yeah, would be my stop up point. So you got to give yourself 11 bucks. That sucks. I'd, I'd rather uh, buy pullbacks. I had it this morning. I sold it. Or I had it overnight because I kind of like the setup overnight. And I like the RBC note too, but I've already sold it. So uh speaking of planes totally off subject here i told dennis about it yesterday uh but my uh my daughter went up in a helicopter yesterday for uh bloomberg and um they hovered over the dam in the area in midland michigan i don't know if the pictures are out yet uh but she called me when she when she was on the way to the airport um, actually, they are on there. I just pulled it up. Can we and, show uh, it? Or, or Bloomberg or Prayala? Oh, uh, yeah. They, they, yeah. No, they if you go like Emily Alcon and Bloomberg, Midland, Michigan. And so she goes, she goes, uh, she goes, Dad, um, I'm going to tell you how, you know, I'm going to take the pictures. And the only thing I'm thinking is, is that, like, she's going to be hanging out of the helicopter, right? And taking the pictures. And I said, oh, sure, go ahead, Tom. And she goes, oh, there's just going to be um, no doors on the uh, on the, uh, on the <laughs> it's like, Oh, I'm like, oh, that's good. I'm like, just keep your seatbelt on, okay? <laughs> Boy, was I glad no no doors on the, on the, on no, the helicopter. No doors. No doors. No doors on the, on get the to the chopper. Billy, yeah. get to the chopper. Yeah. yeah. You know where that's from? Who, where's that from? Billy, uh, I know where that's from. It's from um, an Arnold movie. Well, because it's the Arnold voice. Right. <laughs> oh, boy, which, um, one which one? Robocop. Spencer no, knows. he wasn't in Robocop. No. Um, I don't Robocop. Know. Uh, that's from Commando. That's he from Commando. kills a bunch Try of people. Try again. It was uh, a movie wrong. that he killed a no, bunch no, of people. No, no, Predator. Predator. I'm sorry. There Predator. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He yeah. killed a bunch of people in the movie. That's Predator. I was well, well, yeah. there's, there's a good chance if it's an Arnold movie, he killed a bunch of people. So. <laughs> hey, we're holding uh, support here at 1,000 viewers right now. Uh, we did have that breakout day. To one, I believe we got to 1,060. I did not viewers. Move, I did not move uh, my offer from 1,000. I did. I moved it up like 1,010, 1,020. I, I covered that, though. I cover it when the show starts. Because a lot of people can't get out of bed for some reason and be here when the show starts on time, so it, I did. So I, it's I those people on the I, West Coast. Yeah, yeah, it's a, they it's got a it little rough. tougher gig. Yep, yep. But uh, okay, we got uh, another minute or two here. Um, if there's any, what else should we check out, Spencer? Someone had mentioned the IWM here. I really don't follow it that closely. Um, one perspective, I'd say, you know, it's been a little bit slower to rebound, so it hasn't taken back half of the move. Well, it's got all the garbage in it. Yeah. I mean, think about the IWN, Russell 2000. It's got all these companies that are teetering on bankruptcy, too. So it's got, you know, it's not going to do as well, you know, as, uh, as the indexes that, you know, don't have these companies that are really struggling here. So NASDAQ, obviously, a lot of NASDAQ companies have done very, very well. So it's got a lot of, there's some stuff, there's some good companies in there as well, but it's got a lot of companies that are really struggling right now. I'm actually very surprised at the comeback that we've had in the IWM. It's come back a long way. Small caps are starting to show life here. 
IWM is a play on, you know, when you see the airline starts coming up, you see those ones, IWM is going to do better than the other indexes there because they have a lot of the smaller companies in there and they have a lot of these companies that are really struggling. So I, I don't know what to say. I own, the, I own some of these indexes, obviously, a long-term portfolio there. I wish I just don't all NASDAQ, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is I still think the trade is still just long NASDAQ and short everything else. I know that trade's really crowded, though, is the problem. I'd like to see it unwind a bit so I could put it back on. But the biggest position of my long-term portfolio is the Qs. And it's uh, just yeah, grown. I mean, here. I mean it, it, it's by far the biggest position in my long-term portfolio. I never plan on selling the Qs. I bought them back during the financial crisis. I think I'm averaging at 38 bucks on QQQ, 38 or $40. So it's no point to ever sell them. I wish I wouldn't. This was a, this is a story against the covered call rating because I sold, I had a huge position in the Qs back then. I sold upside covered calls on some of them. I got called away on some of it. I never rebought it. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have never don't wrote tell, those calls. Don't tell the, don't tell the 50 Walmart call story again please you know when you what? sold the 50 calls in walmart i remember? kept getting called away on that and eventually it was gone so okay. I, I don't write many covered calls anymore you know why you take the in the financial credit you take the downside risk so you get whacked when it goes down and you, you limit your upside so i don't know if you're a long-term investor you're a long-term investor i know in a sideways market covered calls kick butt but in an up market they suck because you get called away on everything and obviously on a down market you get heat you want a sideways market when you're writing cover calls. All right. Well, this is a good segue. I'm going to bring on our next guest here, Dimitri Parkamanik. He's the co-founder of Market Chameleon. They're an options research platform. Uh, and they're basically- Spencer, I'm going to say yeah. goodbye to you real quick, all right? Oh, Joel has to go do his, uh, his hot, hot mic. Right? Guys, yeah. show me on Joel's hot, on hot mic. mic. Joel's scheduled. Nine yes. o'clock, he's gone. And I'm late. I'm late. I got to go. Joel's See you guys now. on hot mic. All right. I've got a trade, so I'm going to say hi and bye to Dimitri as well. <laughs> but I'm going to be listening to you, Dimitri. So we're going to get all Thank I you. put you now. I go myself on mute, and I will be listening to you, Dimitri. Dimitri, so. good morning. Awesome. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Uh, do you agree with, with the point about what Dennis was just saying about uh, cover calls in, in, in the sideways market? But other than that, not so much? Yeah, you know what? For some reason, I missed that because uh, okay. I lost connection. Okay. <laughs> I was on there, I lost connection, and I just came back. So I'm sorry about that, but I did Never mind. Uh, so, Dimitri, let, let's just start a high level here uh, sure. about like, 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 how have you been approaching, or what have you, you know, you've been talking to your clients, and what have you been hearing and seeing as far as how people are, are, are approaching this market via options right now, like based on your, your customers? Sure, thanks. Um, you know, so, so we have a lot of customers who do approach it very different way and some of them stick to a particular strategy they like. Um, but lately I've been hearing um, people are taking, with, as, as far as options go, like a more defined risk approach, doing like spreads, you know, credit spreads, credit put spreads, uh, iron butterflies, and really people are getting back into like the earnings trade because we yeah. have earnings season. So I, got, I get a lot of questions around earnings right now. Um, so that's pretty, I think the fear right now is not in there. I don't hear, you know, the fear of we might go back down. That's kind of gone away. Um, and people, I feel most of the questions are more optimistic, you know, how to play like a bullish. So you did something interesting where, uh, you created, I guess, an index of sorts, uh, a, a way to, uh, measure, uh, uh, is stocks implied volatility against something, right? Yes, exactly. So uh, ex explain that. 
Yeah, and if I could share my screen, I usually, you know, so what, so what, so what I did, because last time what we did was we talked about um, how to estimate the value of an option, which is very important for traders because then you could kind of see, you know, how much, how much are you paying relative to the, uh, the value versus, versus the market, right. market right. prices. So now I wanted to introduce that concept of index and benchmarking, which is really important when, for traders when you're building financial models and pointing things out. So I did kind of like a quick presentation because everybody will always ask me, can you please simplify it and put it into terms where I could understand or relate to? So that's what I usually do. And that's why we were talking about it a little bit yesterday. So I like wrote it out really quickly, like in a presentation. So is it possible for me? Yeah. To yeah. Just okay. Right there in the middle, there's that share screen button uh, and you can, Bring up whatever whatever you got. So what what you're doing essentially, is, as far as I understand, is you're 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 comparing uh, a uh, implied volatility against the historical average, or or maybe I didn't get that right. Yeah. Well, well, that's part of it. Yes. But here, let me. I'll go. I'll go through it because some people might not even you know quite understand sure. and how to relate that you know, in, in terms that they, they might be, you know, seen in other places. So yeah, you're, you're right. The, when we're, when we're talking about options, you know, options are also used a lot for strategies, right? You're spreading it off and you're, you're doing, you know, spread, you know, call spreads, put spreads, risk reversals, iron condors, all types of, all types of things. So that's what the benchmarks are for to help you with that. And really you want to track the cost of, that strategy. So what, what do you mean by like index and benchmarks? So I'll go to a different example. And we know like you probably heard or most people heard about the Warren Buffett indicator, right? So what he'll do is look at the market cap of the stocks and take a ratio of the GDP because stocks, they're not mean reverting, right? You could, stocks could go up forever. They're not going to, they don't trade around a mean. So you have to create kind of a benchmark to see are they overvalued, undervalued relative to something, right? So he'll look at the market cap of the stocks versus the GDP, how much is our economy producing? And if that ratio gets very wide, then that's indicating to him that in general, the stocks are very richly valued. If it goes low, it's kind of indicating to him in general that the stocks might be undervalued. Um, and that's what he's doing because this just kind of gives them a general indication, right? Not on a specific stock, but stocks in general. Um, so I'll give you another example that people might understand is like in real estate. And what if I created two benchmarks, right? And I'll take a local area like Philadelphia where I'm from. And let's just say I, I'm comparing single family homes, the median price versus rental properties, right? And let's just say today, the median price for single family homes is 125000 and the rental properties are around 100,000. Well, that's telling me there's like a 25% premium. So what I might wanna do is say, well, historically, how does that relationship work? Maybe historically it's around a 10% premium. So that might be telling me that perhaps the single family homes are starting to, to increase in value. And in my view, I think that these two could be related because if the single family homes are going up, you know, then the rental properties might be lagging, but eventually those rents in the same neighborhood and the prop, those properties, can the demand will pick up 
and it'll revert back to the mean. So that could just give me an indication. Or if I'm interested in rental properties, how are they comparing to you know, the median price of other properties that I think that there's a relationship? So that, does that kind of make sense? Yes. Where I'm going? Right. So then let's get into the options. So how, how are options priced? You know, options are priced by implied volatilities. And we look at option prices, you know, we have actually different implied volatilities, you know, depending on the option contract. So the, we have different volatility, implied volatilities on different expirations. We have different implied volatilities on different strikes. So we call that a skew, right? Like the upside implied volatility could trade at a discount relative to the downside implied volatility. But how do we know, you know, today's skew, is it good or bad? Um, how do we measure that? So we kind of need a benchmark. And one thing to, you know, understand with, when we're trying to compare things, when you're comparing it, the two things have to be related, right? So these two asset prices, some have to be somehow related, right? You're not going to compare like the price of apples to, you know, the price of t-shirts, right? Somehow they have to be related, just like we we're talking about the real estate example or valuation versus what, what we can produce, right? So here's an example of what is a, a skew will come. And then we're going to go, go look at some examples. Like, so for example, let's say a stock is a hundred dollars. And I'm looking at the 105 call, 5% above, right? And it has implied volatility of 45. And let's say the price of that option is $3. Now I'm going to go down 5% and see what the put is. And let's say the put implied volatility is 55, right? So this relative to the call, it's more richly priced. And the price of that put is $4. So I could see if I sell that put and buy that call, I'll never receive a credit of a dollar, right? So if I get a dollar, I divide that by the stock, it's like 1%, right? So I get 1% credit for doing that strategy. Is that a good deal or a bad deal? Well, I don't know. I have to compare it to historical, historical levels. And that's what, what we're talking about, benchmarking, um, you know, benchmarking indexes. Right, right. So, so, so let's so see. Yeah, so let's see how that would look like, right? So I'm yeah, gonna I was, go was going to say, give, give us a practical example of, of, how, of how this could, could look and how it could work. Exactly. Right. So here's an SPY, and I just went kind of like the first one is the risk reversal, the one I just showed you, right? This is, you know, if I'm buying an out-of-the-money call, 5% out-of-the-money, 30 days to maturity, selling the 5% put out-of-the-money, 30 days to maturity, right now, we would receive a credit of negative 0.7%, right? I, I showed you 1%, this would be 0.7%, and the historical average is 0.5%. So if you go to, you see all these different benchmarks, remember we have a lack of benchmarks in general in the options industry. We have the VIX, but the VIX is not gonna help you if you're trying to do a spread or a credit put spread in IBM, right? So we don't have those benchmarks and they're very important because it makes, it helps you make a quicker decision, make a quicker comparison. So these are all the different benchmarks for you to reference so you can make that quick decision, where should I be looking, depending on your outlook, right? So you still might have an outlook, you have bullish or bearish, but this way it gives you an idea where to look, right? So then you have all these different types of benchmarks to look at. So let's just 
say, okay, we are interested in this one. Let, let's look a little bit closer at this risk reversal, right? I'll go to the options chain and here's the options chain. And I went, you know, almost 30 days out. This is 28 day, days out. How would we put on this trade? So I'm just going to kind of get it as close to that benchmark that we just talked about. And I'll look up, you know, I'm going to look up 5% above the strike. So let's just say right here, find this call. So notice that this call right here, the implied volatility is 20, right? 20.1. Then I'm going to go look at the put below. And I'm going to do it again, let's say 5%, this one. I'm going to sell this put. Notice it's 28.9, right? So relative to the call, the IV. put is richly priced. Well, let's see how it compares to the historical levels, right? So this is what I did. I set up, set up buying that call, selling the put. I have a bullish outlook. Let's see what it looks like at expiration. So this is what the graph would look like at expiration. Basically, all this green is where you would it would be profitable. So since we're getting a credit of $2.31, right? Anywhere here from this is the spot price. If it anywhere in here, call the that the stock lands there at expiration, we keep that credit. It goes higher. You know, we're making an unlimited gain. It goes below here. This is this is our loss. So this is what it, like a risk reversal would look like. Um, so let's see. Now I'm going to go to see historically what this app, you know, am I getting a good deal or a bad deal? So this is look pricing the similar spread, you know, every day historically it's capturing, it's capturing those implied volatilities and say on average, you would have received $1.35 credit. Today, it's $2.31, and this is the high low. So you can see how quickly you can make a decision, you know, am I getting a good deal, a bad deal? How does it compare to this? Got it, got it. So, so Dimitri, I just want to mention one thing. So this is all great, and I, I myself am not an options trader, but I still use your site, and I was hoping you can go to the the earnings, the historical earnings moves page on yeah. on whatever stock. It doesn't matter because that's what right. I still that's what I use. Now we're coming out of earnings season, uh, yeah. but this is a reference. This is a, a, a data point that I've referenced throughout this earnings season and will reference in future earnings seasons is, is this page that just shows you a historical, uh, going back what, like four years, historical earnings yeah. moves uh, before, uh, immediately after, and then in the days and weeks after an earnings report in a given stock. And I've been using this, that as reference points for, for a bunch of earnings uh, reports this season. Yeah. Uh, so if you, I was hoping you could just pull it up and just we can just sure. look at one. Like, for example, Costco and Salesforce are both next Thursday. NVIDIA is today after the close. We can look at NVIDIA. That, that's, super, that's, we'll super, that's super relevant. Right, so, so I brought up NVIDIA because we talked about, like, let's look at an earnings play here. And so here's like NVIDIA and before, you know, before I even go analyze it, there are certain historical reference points I want to take a look at to see how did it behave in the past. So here on this, I'm just going to look at NVIDIA's, this is a little bit different than the, the screen you're talking about, but I'll get to that screen that you're, you're talking about as well. But in this, in this is a really quick uh, comparison, how did the options and the stock price do. So here, all I'm doing is taking a look at a graphical representation of what you were talking about. This is what the implied volatilities were expecting. This is what the stock actually did. So here it's telling me that 75% of the time, historically, the implied volatilities overestimated the move. In other words, the, those straddles were richly priced. On average, they were estimating a 7.4% move 
versus 6.8% actual move. So you could see like the long-term averages, if you're playing that, it's about like 0.6% spread. Um, and this shows you how historically, if you, if you did uh, option strategy like long straddle, how those performed playing that move. You know, so you see long straddle, it only had a 25% win rate for an average uh, loss of 12%. Uh, long strangle and so on. The other thing is uh, implied volatility crush, right? So here we could go look and say, well, what did the implied volatility usually do after the after the earnings were, were announced? So we could take a look at, you know, we look at the 30 day, 30 day option, and we see here that on average, the implied volatility was down 25% the next day. This was the average volatility before, this is the average volatility after. So it kind of gives us a sense how to set up a trade and how to analyze the current, the current, um, the current markets. So the, what, you're, what you were referencing, so I'm gonna go here. And this is what you were referencing over here, right. where, right? How did the stock, what did the stock do around earnings, right? Like what does it usually do around earnings from a historical perspective? So we could see here, on the, at the open, it's basically 50-50 if it gaps up or down. Half the time it's up, half the, half the time it's down. And on average, we see that the, the, the gaps to the upside were a little bit more than to the downside. So you can see here, you know, that's on average, it's 1.1% to the upside. Um, also here, after the, you know, and I'm just looking at the video here, I'm not seeing anything unusual. So after the opening, usually, uh, it's 50-50 if it goes up as well, so, right? So it doesn't tend really to do, do that much for an average of negative 0.3%. So here, just looking, looking at the total move, if you have the straddle, if you wait till the end of the day, you know, the absolute average move is usually 6.8% on average versus the opening gap of 6%. So usually what it's telling me is that move stretches throughout the day. So sometimes you'll see a very high gap open and it'll close right. up. But, but looking further out here, it looks like it's way more likely than not to be higher in the two days, three days, weeks after a report. Right. So that, that's what this data is saying, that after the report, usually you see, you see more buying pressure than selling pressure. After you know, the report comes out, they have, people have a time to digest it and analyze it. So we see like coming out one day, two day, three day, one week, two week. These are all positive average returns. So we see here, you know, two days out, 67% of the time we see uh, positive results for an average of 1.5%. Super valuable, even if you're not trading options, just to know how the stock trades in and around uh, an earnings report. Uh, Dimitri, yeah. b uh, before I uh, uh, let you go here, I just want to kind of ask you just about your own trading uh in yeah. the past few months and uh just sort of how you've approached this market it's sort of it's been a once in a lifetime uh type of situation that, that we're in right now so how have you how have you approached these past couple months right so for at least for for me because you know and i i probably think and trade a, a lot differently than most people do but you know and i've seen these money panics before and what you know what kind of happens afterwards so once I see the money, you know, the, these types of money panics, I don't try to stock pick or pick any individual stocks. I stick to the, I stick to the SPY. And the reason for that is any, any given stock 
in this crisis. We don't know what's going on in their, on their balance sheet or whatever that could blow up. It's very difficult. So any given stock could fail and the government might not bail them out or whatever. But the, when you go to the SPY, I go to the SPY, the SPY is not gonna go to zero and that's something that will get bailed out, right? Eventually, they're gonna try to hold that market up. So I just stick to the SPY. And one of the reasons also I do that is that SPY kind of has this balancing factor in it. So when one sector is doing bad, it's kind of stimulative to another sector in the SPY. So for example, oil prices are down, energy is doing bad, but low oil prices is stimulative to a different sector in the, in the SPY, which brings that up. Also, companies that are bad, that are weak in the, in the S&P 500 will get swallowed up by companies that have good balance sheets. So that's an opportunity for them. So for me, you know, I just go to the, to the indexes. And you're just playing SPY or are there other, other indices that, that you play? The first thing I go to is the, is the SPY. The other thing that I, that I do is when interest rates go really low, like to zero, and I think that they're going to stay there a lot, I'm going to go look for income producing ETFs, if that makes sense, especially when I know like that's where the Fed is probably going to be stimulative the most. So anything, you know, so I think of it in terms of like this, I do lots of different trades. One of them is a carry trade and a carry trade is where if I could borrow money at a lower rate and lend it out at a higher rate, make that spread, I would do it. Right. So, so when I look at um, income producing ETFs, such as like maybe like a well-diversified preferred ETF, you know, like a very well-diversified, uh, well-diversified. Like, uh, like PFF, for example. Like a PFF, exactly. If it drops heavily and I understand the reason for the drop, right, I'll go to it because that's a very leveraged bet. And when you see it in money panic, people are forced to sell it. You know, it's not as liquid as other stocks. I would look at that opportunity and start and start nibbling there. So those are the types of things, you know, like, do, I'll do the care. And I'm talking about in a, in a money panic situation. Which we've, I guess, arguably come That's out of right, exactly. right now. Uh, all right, Dimitri, just any final advice for anyone looking to trade options through, through this market right now? Volatility has come down a bit, and not to say it will stay here, but just any just final pieces, tidbits, nuggets of advice yeah. for so, yeah, look, right now we're in a very unusual time, right? We've never had, like, where the world economies have just closed down their economies, you know, not just in America, it's all over the world. It's, and we don't have any good reference points from, from a historical perspective. And you could even see some of the best people on Wall Street are warning, like, we're, we're too high. And I know we're, like, getting inflated. I know the Fed's, like, pumping, up mo- pumping money in there. So, yeah. so uh, you know, we, we're very high. But because of these extraordinary measures, what I would do is if you're playing the market, stick to defined risk strategies. You know, watch those tails. We might be out of it, but I would still watch those tails. You know, if you're gonna do puts, do stick with put spreads. You know, if you're if you're getting short call, do it with call spreads. But I would really stick with the def, you know defined risk strategies because I think the tail risk here in my opinion, is still underpriced given like the uncertainty going in, you know, six months out, one year out. Yeah. 
All right, Dimitri Pargamanik is the co-founder of Market Chameleon. Dimitri, thanks so much for the time today and stay safe out there. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Uh, 9.23 here. That'll be a wrap. I'll just pull up a chart of the SPY as we head into the open here. Thanks to both our guests, Dimitri and Scott. Thanks to all of you who joined us in our chat rooms, all three of them. Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. Joel and I will be back at 3.40. In the meantime, everyone have a great rest of your Thursday and stay safe out there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.